Hey, what's up, Alpaca Nation, V1 Church. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's podcast episode. I'm the co-lead pastor. My name's Mike Signorelli. I'm coming at you from Amityville, New York right now. Yes, home to the Amityville Horror House, but there is more than a ghost out here. There's the Holy Ghost. I'm just kidding. That was bad. But listen, today we're going to jump into Blurred Lines. This is the fourth episode. And if you are the type of person who has something that you're so good at, I mean, maybe you've accomplished things in business. Maybe uh, you're a a very eloquent public speaker, but you have this other thing that you secretly struggle with. This episode is for you. There was a man named Naaman, and Naaman was a mighty man of valor. He could conquer everything around, but could not conquer something within. So if that's you, check out episode four, Blurred Lines. And we're going to start in the New Testament, and I encourage you to take notes because we're going there today. This has been a powerful service already, but I believe just in the next 25 minutes or so, God can do something just just with the foolishness of preaching that a whole life of striving wouldn't be accomplished. Do you believe it? All right. So go to Luke chapter four, verse 27. See, in the old school church, they say, when you when you find it, say amen. You remember that back in the day? And everyone will try to say amen first. Luke chapter four, verse 27 says this. And it says, and there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha. See, the Pentecostals just got real excited right now. He's preaching about the prophet Elijah today. You know, we're speaking in tongues in service today, y'all. And none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. There were many lepers in that time in Israel, in the time of prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. Say none of them. Okay, you tracking with me? None of them were cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. See, I paused because I wanted to see who would do a dramatic gasp when I said Naaman the Syrian. But none of you gasped because that's not scandalous to you. We have an incredibly diverse church. Don't you love a church that says no to racism and wants to look just like heaven? But, you know, here in New York, you're surrounded by people from all over the world. So this was not this. This is not scandalous to you. But can I tell you that when Jesus said when this was when they read Luke, Luke, the physicians telling the story of Jesus on earth. And it says, and there were many lepers in Israel at the time of the prophet Elijah. And none of them was cleansed, but cleansed, but only naming the Syrian people would have been like, what? Naming the Syrian. Well, how did the chosen people of God How did how did the people who were destined from the lineage of of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob? I mean, how did they miss out on the miracle? But the Syrian got the miracle. Can I just tell you, if you're a Christian here, sometimes you can know everything and yet get nothing from God. Sometimes you can be so sure of all the scripture that, you know, that somebody else gets that healing. Because you're so secure in what you know that you can't possibly see God move in a different way. And see, the Syrian, he was outside of the promises of God. He was just a guy who, who served a God. See, they had low, can I go deep today? Do I have any like biblical scholars who are like, bring it, bring it. 
they had localized deities at this time. So a localized deity meant that each region had these specific boundaries that would be marked off and each region would have a deity, a God that was worshiped in that region. And so this guy that we're going to learn about today, Naaman, would have been from Syria and they would have worshiped this local deity under the name of Rimon. And so for him to receive a healing from the God of Israel coming from Syria, serving the God of Rimon would have been very confusing to people like, I, I don't understand what's going on. But you know what it was God's way of saying is that this thing is for everybody. This thing is for the people that you don't even think it's for. This thing is for the people that showed up to V1 church and who were drunk last night and they still got alcohol on their breath. This thing is for the people who just pulled the needle out of their arm, but they said, I'm still going to church anyway. This thing, I'm going to preach today, whether you're going to shout me down or not. This thing is for the people who who cheated on their wife, but still said, I'm not going to stop showing up to the place where I meet God because I know there's still a God in Israel. I might be from Syria, but I know there's a God in Israel. Is there a Naaman in the house today? Oh, you don't, you ain't following with me yet, are you? I got to keep breaking it down. Somebody say, break it down, preacher. You had a leper. Now, let me explain leprosy. Let's go back to 2 Kings chapter 5. And let's go back to the point in Scripture that was being referenced by Luke the physician. When you go back to 2 Kings chapter 5, you are going to get this story about a, na a man named Naaman. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, what's up, Naaman? I'm preaching this message because I've got a whole church full of Naamans today. I'm about to put all your business on blast. I'm putting it live on Facebook right now, Naaman. Can I read? Second, Second Kings chapter 5. It says, Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and in high favor because the Lord had given him victory in Syria. Now watch, let, let me back up. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria. This is a bad dude. This isn't Naaman just like commonplace, low rank guy. This is Naaman the commander. This is Naaman the great. This is Naaman who would have been known. He would have been famous. There would have been exploits that people talked about this guy was like Rambo on steroids, right? Now watch, can I keep reading? He was a mighty man of, of valor, but, everyone say but. He was a mighty man of valor, but. Now I used to be an English teacher, believe it or not. And see, but is a coordinating conjunction. When you have a comma and then but, what that is indicating is that there are two opposing ideas that you are trying to join together into one sentence, right? Are you following me today? Am I taking you to school today? And so it says, Naaman, the mighty man of valor, but, oh, snaps. Can I bring it home for you, Naaman? Look at your neighbor and say, what's up, Naaman? Come on, I'm talking about you. Watch this. He was an incredibly anointed worship leader, but he could preach the house down, glory to God, but he simply knew everything there was to know in Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic, but he launched a business and grossed a million dollars and finally bought that house for his mom, but 
Come on, say what's up, Naaman. I'm calling you out today because you can't heal what you won't reveal. He was a mighty man of valor, but can I keep reading the scripture? Some of you are like, man, scripture's juicier than I remember in school. It's because you got beat in school when you read scripture. They messed you up. Let me restore your wounds, Catholic school people. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. He was a mighty man of valor, but he had a disease that he tried to hide under the armor as he went through his exploits that got so bad that he couldn't hide it anymore. He was an incredible worship leader that tried so hard to conceal it until it became visible to everyone else that he had a problem. He could conquer everything around but couldn't conquer that thing within. What's up, Naaman? He was a preacher that knew the Bible, knew the scripture, but under that armor, there was a disease festering. And soon enough, it became so visible that it became part of his story. But thank God for visibility because visibility produces desperation and desperation changes your location. Oh, you don't hear me today. Thank God for visibility because visibility will get you one step closer to your healing. Visibility will make you desperate and desperation will get you to move out of comfort into the place where you can receive your miracle. Do you feel somebody say, what's up, Naaman? Come on, keep, what's up, Naaman? Putting your business on blast today because God wants to heal what you're willing to reveal. And see, sometimes in the grace of God, he will allow it to get so bad that even when you can no longer choose to conceal it, by his mercy, it'll get out. I look back to the days where God exposed me and I used to look at those days and say, man, curse that day. You know what? I look back at that day and say, God, thanks for your mercy and all that. Because you know what? When the leprosy started coming out from my armor, they couldn't just call me Mike, the mighty man of valor. They had to say, man, Mike did some great things, but he had something he needed to deal with. Now watch this. He could conquer other nations, everything around, but couldn't get victory over the thing within. Why leprosy? There was no cure for it. And we're going deep today, y'all. Why leprosy? There was no known cure for it. Do you know that there are some jobs that are only reserved for Jesus? Do you know that there are some healings that are only reserved for Jesus? Do you know that the very definition of a miracle is that no man can make it possible for you? Did you know that there are some jobs that are only for Jesus? And I don't know what your situation looks like, Naaman, but that leprosy is visible to everyone and you're not getting away with it anymore. But I know that there is somebody who can heal you. That's why you're here today. You thought you were here because you saw an ad on Facebook. God's laughing. He said, Zuckerberg ain't the only one using Facebook because I got you on a divine appointment today. It's time to get free. Can I keep reading the Bible? <laughs> I love this story, by the way. And it says this in chapter five, as you continue on, would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in the Samaria, he would cure him of the leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his Lord thus and spoke the girl from the land of Israel. So Naaman on one of his exploits 
takes this little girl from Israel and takes her captive as a servant. Now watch this. He is the mighty man of valor. I mean, you know, when you're the big dog, when you're the leader, when you're the man in charge, there are people who are afraid to tell you that you got something visible that you need to deal with. And sometimes you could actually be at such a distance that many people would simply not be able to see that you have an issue. But see, this little Israelite girl was serving in his home and she got close enough in proximity to him that she said, hey, I'm not judging. I'm just trying to tell you, I know a man that can heal your disease. Now watch this. The man that could heal his disease was this prophet in the nation of Israel. And this would have been a very scandalous thing to say, Rimon hasn't healed you. But see that little Israelite girl, she was saying, but I know a man who can. You know, maybe your destiny isn't to be preaching on this stage, but I thank God for the little Israelite girls on the dream team that say, I might not be able to preach, but I know where you can find healing and I'm going to invite you to church. Thank God for the little, little Israelite girl. Every single part is necessary for the healing. And see, maybe if you're struggling with like, what's my part in the story? Maybe you can be the person who points somebody in the right direction. Maybe you're here right now and you're saying, man, that was me, the person I invited to sit right next to me right now. This little, this little girl, she said, there is somebody. Now watch, as she begins to explain that there's somebody, this desperation starts welling up inside of Naaman. I mean, Naaman is convinced that he has tried everything within the realm of his own world. He's tried everything on Long Island that there was to try. He'd been to the clubs, he drank their alcohol, he did their drugs, he slept with their woman. Somebody say, well... Naaman has done everything he can to try to satiate that need. He's done everything he can to heal it. He's taken the medications that were available in the known world. He has met with the doctors that were available in the known world. And so in a moment of desperation, he does something that looks foolish. Don't you thank God for bringing you to a place where you tried everything else and you say, I'm going to try something real crazy now. Are you ready? I'm going to church. <laughs> I'm going to try something real crazy. Some of your friends are going to be real tripped out. And they're saying, I didn't take you for a religious type. Yeah, well, I tried everything else. I'm going to try prayer right now. I tried everything else. I'm going to try connecting with God and see what happens. I dare you, Naaman. Come on, I dare you, Naaman. And he starts on this journey and all of a sudden says this. And so he went and he begins to take money with him. He, he doesn't know what he, it's like. I need to try to earn this healing. I'm going to pay for my healing, whatever. There's Christians still trying to pay for their healing, but that's another sermon altogether. And he shows up with this money and he comes to the king of Israel. And the king of Israel literally reads this letter that was sent over from the king of Syria that says, I've sent you one of my generals, my, one of my mightiest men in hope that you can heal him. And when the king of Israel reads this letter, it says that he tears his clothes in a moment of rage. He's like, how is it possible that I could even do this thing? No man can do this. Can I read you one of my favorite lines in scripture? He tears his clothes in a moment of frustration. And then this is what happens. It says, but when Elijah the man of God heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes. Watch this. But when Elijah, the man of God, heard that there was an impossible situation, 
Don't you love those Christians that they're waiting? When they hear an impossible situation, they don't tear their clothes. They start tearing up the prayer room. They Come on, somebody. They don't tear their clothes. They start tearing it up in that secret place, and they say, oh, I know what to do in this situation. It says, Elijah, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, and then he said, why have you torn your clothes? Let him come to me. Now watch. This is one of my favorite scriptures, that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. Oh, come on, bring them to V1 Church and we'll show them that there's still a God in New York and there's still a man of God and a woman of God who will lay their hands on you and pray you through to the other side. Bring them to us. We're not afraid of impossibilities. My God parted the Red Sea and they walked on dry land. My God did bigger miracles than this one. Is there anything impossible for God? No. We serve that God, man. And then all of a sudden, he, he starts to, he starts to, the king's like, all right, let's do that. And then he starts to go on this journey. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elijah's house. And Elijah sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored and you shall be clean. But Naaman was angry and went away saying, that's not how I thought I was going to get my healing. It's not coming the way I expected it, when I expected it, how I expected it, through the methodology that I expected. I'm preaching to somebody right now. And he started getting angry because when you do half of what your counselor says, you get half of the freedom. When you do half of what this word says, you get 0% of the breakthrough. There's something about obeying to a T what was given to you by God's delegated authority, whether that's your pastor or whether it's directly through scripture. And Naaman shows up, gets all the way to that crazy place. He literally crosses over the boundary of Syria and the God of Rimon and comes into Israel, looks like a fool to everyone else from his home country, gets all the way to the house of Elijah the prophet. The servant comes out and he gets mad and says, well, that's not the way I wanted it. It's kind of like showing up to church and being like, I don't like that song. It's kind of like listening to a sermon and being like, I didn't like the way he said that. You know, Jesus said there were a lot of lepers in the days of Elisha, but only one of them was healed. There was a lot of sick people on Long Island. Are you going to be one of the few that gets healed because you do exactly what you're told to do? And you know, this, this for me was something that was stirring in my heart because you had never met a bigger rebel than me. And my wife said, Amen. And so he gets mad. But then Elijah sent a messenger, told him that. He, goes, he, get, he got angry went, and he went away. Got in his car and drove right out of that movie theater parking lot. He went away saying, behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord and wave his magic wand and cause me to turn around three times like Cinderella and then I was going to be cured. I thought that I was going to get prayer up from the prayer team and they were going to pray for me one time and then I was going to leave this place and never look at porn ever again. Come on, what's up, Naaman? <laughs> Can I keep reading? But Naaman was angry. He went away. And then watch this. I love these servants. I love this cast of characters. See, what I love the Bible is that there's no such thing as a nobody in the Bible. See, they didn't need a title to be used by God. They just saw a situation and spoke into life and hope and direction into that situation. And this guy said, listen, 
If they told you to do something crazier than this, you would have done it. We come all the way this far. You've been in crazier circumstances than this, wilder circumstances, and all he asked you to do was to go into the Jordan River and repeatedly dip yourself seven times, and on the seventh time, you would be healed. Well, if you were willing to do something crazier than that, then why don't you just do what he's asking you to do? And you know what Naaman says? Naaman says, I'll do it. See, God's not asking for you to figure it all out. God's not even mad at the fact that you've driven away from the opportunities of healing that he already gave you in the first place. But if you're here right now listening to my voice, you are in grace. You are drowning in an ocean of grace right now to even be hearing my voice. You are drowning in an ocean of grace right now to even be hearing the words that are coming out of my mouth because there are so many opportunities that all of us had to walk away mad. But thank God for the servants that came back and said, why don't you try it again? Why don't you try it again? And so he goes back and he says this. So he turned back and went away enraged. And then his servant said, come near to him. My father has, it is a great word that the prophet has spoken to you. Just go ahead and try it. Verse 14. So he went down and dipped himself seven times. Watch this. So he went down, humbled himself, obeyed the command that he was given to the letter he was given it. And let me just say this. It says he went down seven times in the Jordan. Everybody say seven times. Everyone say it's a process. Come on, it's a process. Somebody say it's a process. Seven times. He didn't get a formula. He didn't get an instantaneous miracle. He got a process. Somebody say the healing's in the process. Come on, seven times. It doesn't say he went down into that river one time. It said he got up and he looked. He probably checked. Oh, man, did it happen now? No, it was seven times. Be not conformed to the world, but be you transformed by the renewing. Do it again. Re, the prefix means again. Renewal. Again, renew your mind. He makes his mercies new every day. Do it again. You prayed, we'll pray again. You worship, worship again. You got into the word, Read it again. Renew your mind seven times. He gets down. He keeps coming back up each time. I thank God for a wife who said, I prayed for Mike. I'm going to pray for him again until I see the healing. I'm thankful for pastors that said, I prayed. I'm going to pray again. I'm thankful for the process. See, there was something that was happening to Naaman in the process. God knew the healing was always going to happen, but there was a humility because you got to go down underwater and see what happens when you're underwater. Is that water removes all five senses. When he went under the water, he was a warrior, so he learned how to trust his ears. This is revelation for somebody. I feel the anointing of God. See, when you're a warrior, you learn to trust your ears. That's how you survive. When you're a warrior, you learn how to trust your sight. That's how you survive. When you're a general, you learn how to trust your words because you command people to do a thing and it happens. But going under the water is symbolic of restricting yourself from the very thing that saved you in another area of your life. And oftentimes, the greatest sin in your life will flow from the greatest place that God wants to use you. And he was saying, Naaman, get your head under that water. You 
under that water, I believe that Naaman said, I don't hear the voice of man. I don't hear the voice of doubt. Under this water, I hear a spiritual voice that is saying, Naaman, keep going under that water. Keep submitting yourself to the process. I'm going to heal you. Does somebody hear me preaching to you today? As he went down under that water, his physical eyes were closed, but Naaman's spiritual eyes began to open. And he said, I'm not trusting what I see in the natural. I'm believing what I see in the supernatural. And there's a process. Somebody say it's a process. There's a process. Go down seven times. Don't be conformed to the world and the way they think. But be ye transformed by the renewing. Let me give you hope. Let me give you hope. You've heard this scripture before. I know I got some super Christians in my church. Y'all are super Christians, super bound up in chains by what you think you know already. But the Lord wants to free you if you will humble yourself and put your head up under that water and go through that process over and over again. You're not, look, look mighty man of valor, but guess what God did? He said, mighty man of valor, but full of leprosy. At the end of that process, mighty man of valor, erase the comma, take away the coordinated conjunction, but, and add, and healed. And healed. Not by his own might, not by his own power, but by his obedience to what he was being told to do in that season of his life. And it looked like foolishness. I'm here to tell you right now, if you think that what happened today in this service looked crazy, can I just tell you, you're going to have to do something crazy to get to the other side. Because if you keep doing what you've been doing, you're going to keep getting what you've been getting. And sometimes you got to get to that point of desperation that says my desperation is going to change my location. First, it changes location from Syria to Israel, and then it changes it from Israel right down into the Jordan waters. And God will take you through a process from glory to glory. He got you out of that situation and got you here. So somebody, welcome to the River Jordan today. Why don't you take that next step into what God has for you? I want to read you some scripture. There's so much more to this. It's going to have to be like a four-part, guys. I'm sorry. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12 says this, 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is... Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is... Is that up on the... How, how did you know that? Can I tell you the rest of this scripture that you might not be able to quote? Watch. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. You know what he's saying? It's a process. He's saying where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But wait, there's freedom there, but wait. You are going to behold him with unveiled face. And as you are beholding his nature, his personality, his glory, his attributes, as you are seeing it with your spiritual eyes, you are being transformed into that image that you now see from one glory to another dimension of glory. It's a process. And some of you have been going from pit to pit. And the Lord says you're getting ready to go from glory to glory. As you behold his face, 
and what you put right in front of you isn't the worry, the doubt, the anxieties, the fears of this world, but you say, I will present his spirit in front of me. I will go to his throne boldly in worship. As you continue to behold his face, you will be transformed into the image of the thing you worship. See, as long as he was in Syria, he could only be like the God Rimon. Rimon was a dead God. There was no power in that God. But when he showed up to Israel, he beheld the glory of God. And God says, I'm perfect. I'm whole. As you behold me, I will take you from glory to glory into a realm of healing and wholeness to where you begin to look more like me and less like brokenness. And, and, and if you're here today, can I just, can I end this message right now? I know we got to kind of land this thing, but Galatians chapter five, verse one says this, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. It's all about submission. You have to submit again to a yoke of slavery or you submit again to a spirit of freedom. It's just a choice that you make, but I believe the Holy Spirit is empowering somebody. And then as you read the rest of the story, so he comes up, he's completely healed. And as he comes up completely healed, he's faced with a crisis. The crisis that he presents to the prophet Elijah, as he said, well, here's the thing. We're in Israel right now. We're in the movie theater right now. And man, they sing real good. I'm, I'm at a dinner party right now. We're all praying for each other in this living room. I'm, I'm at the HQ and we're learning together right now. And somebody and Aaron's playing on the acoustic guitar, but but I've got a problem because I'm gonna leave this atmosphere and I'm gonna go back to Syria where they all worship a different God. And I'm standing up in my heart for the God of Israel, but what about when I have to go into the temple of Rimon and they all bow before him? What do I do, Elisha? And you know what he was saying? He was saying, Elisha, where I live, the lines are blurred. He was, he was saying, maybe you're here and there's some blurry lines in your life maybe you're going to leave this place and your spouse doesn't serve the lord it's complicated and they don't get why you are a part of a church and they don't get why you live this life and maybe or maybe you're in a relationship and you're just dating and you feel so strong about the commitment that you've made to this person but they don't serve this god and the lines are blurry and and it gets complicated in life and you're like man this is so good but how do I survive the other six days? And that's what, that's what Naaman was saying to the prophet. And you know, he gave, Elisha gave one of the deepest answers imaginable. Can I tell you what he said? Because I want to say it to you right now. He simply said, Naaman, go in peace. He said, leave this place in shalom. Leave this place with the assuredness that the same God that healed you today is going to take care of your next steps when you get home. Leave this place knowing that if you got this far, you're going all the way. Leave this place knowing that if you're not dead, you're not done. Go with the shalom, the complete and perfect peace of God, knowing that God is going to deal with that thing if he dealt with this thing. And so I tell you today, I tell you today, that we're about to pray this thing out and I believe God wants to supernaturally heal somebody. But don't leave this place thinking, well, what about the blurred lines? What about Rimon? What about these other gods? What about the other value systems? What about the culture clash that happens? Just know 
that the shalom, the perfect peace of God is going to cover you. And you're going to say, man, God, after all the things that could have happened, I was there. I met you in that place. I submitted to the process, and you got me this far, so you're going to take me the whole way. Would you all stand to your feet? That was an incredibly powerful message that helped so many people in the room and people watching our V1 live stream that broadcast every single week on Facebook. But for you, I know that there is a next step that you need. I believe that if you go to v1.church, that's our website, and you click care, you will give us access into some issues in your life so that we can specifically pray for you by name. We have a team that stands by every single week to do this. So go ahead and hit up www www.v1.church. Visit us online and we can't wait to see you next week.